we all want to be happy and feel safe. Yes. And when somebody says that our institutions that we trust and rely on to keep us safe and protect us aren't doing that, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. You know, I think that these these things that we're talking about shake us to our core because if we can't trust these agencies, these institutions with the health and well-being of our babies, we have to accept on some level that we can't trust anybody, right? That's scary, that we have to do our own research, that we are responsible. But that's also super empowering, Josh, right? Because it means you're free. That's Leslie Manukian, and this is episode 344 of Wellness Force Radio. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. You can have the same brain states as someone who's done an hour of meditation every day for 40 years. There's a lot of losses that we go through, so the ability to be able to cope with those losses is very important to build skill in it, because loss will happen. You know, you have to have spiritual courage to really grow spiritually, because if you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. Welcome to Wellness Force. What is good, my friend? It's Josh Trent, and you are here for physical and emotional intelligence. This is where we explore the truth, and I've got a question for you today. Are you prepared for the truth? The truth is always undefeated over time, yet right now in our world, the truth feels so subjective, doesn't it? The ocean of information when it comes to coronavirus and honestly, the manipulation of data by the World Health Organization, the CDC, literally every single mainstream media news outlet online, this podcast will change the course of my life and of Wellness Force forever. This episode will alienate many people from our tribe based on their own belief systems when it comes to truth. And I'm not here to convince you of anything or make you believe what I believe. My honest intention with this podcast is to simply be a beacon of truth and for what feels like the blackness and the darkness out there in our world, in the media. I've never been one to spiritually bypass or pretend that things are okay when they're not. And this episode has nothing to do with not being positive or seeing the world through some kind of a negative lens. On the contrary, you and I both know that real emotional intelligence comes from having a large emotional bandwidth. No light can shine unless we know where the dark lives. So what today's podcast is all about we're talking with an award-winning filmmaker. Her name is Leslie Manukian, originally from Idaho. She started her career in finance, you know, the concrete jungle in New York with the huge buildings and the billions of dollars. Well, it's funny, in that space, she learned about health and vaccines over 10 years ago. She began the path that you and I are on now, the path of truth. She then learned about the vaccine debate while living and working in London, and she made the decision to make a documentary exploring this issue. The Greater Good Movie is the result. You can learn more about this incredible film at thegreatergoodmovie.org. Now, I recommend you watch this movie and listen to this podcast twice because as I said, this is a huge fork in the road where many of you will leave the community because of this podcast. And you know what? That's okay. I send you love. I send you peace. I send you wellness. And you are always welcome, by the way, to make your own decisions. That's why you're here with us, so we can explore this type of intelligence. When it comes to intelligence, my heart also knows many of you will stay, and many of you are going to invite your friends and your family because this podcast is not about separation. This podcast is about coming together so we can learn what actually is the truth, the truth about flattening the curve, 
why this narrative is pushed by the mainstream media. And if you listen to our upcoming show with Dr. Zach Bush, the agenda around mask wearing and mass vaccinations and the incredibly scary yet opportunity rich crisis that we're actually in right now. I mean, this is where we make society better. And this is where we come together and we learn how to treat our world and our brothers and sisters with love. This is real. This is now. This is Wellness Force. You're going to learn what inspired Leslie to join with Weston A. Price, what's really going on with COVID-19, looking at the actual data rather than the projections of fear and hype that the Gates Foundation-funded media agenda has been pushing. We're exploring mask wearing, why wearing a mask, keeping your mouth shut, and sitting down and following orders is actually the opposite of love. We're going to understand the truth about asymptomatics and mass media manipulation in COVID-19 coverage and why other authorities and political parties across the world are also censoring free speech. This is about health freedom. This is understanding the real truth about flattening the curve. There is serious ramifications we're all going to experience for many years ahead. From the bankruptcy and the child abuse and the suicides and the mass control that COVID-19 has been for two months now, plus absolutely crushing our brothers and sisters across the world. This is where we get down to the solutions. This podcast is going to change your life. So will next week's show with Dr. Zach Bush. We've had over 100,000 people watch our Facebook Live with Dr. Bush. We've had 30,000 plus people already watch this episode. You're about to hear. You can watch it on Facebook and on YouTube as well with Leslie Manukian. Please share this. Share this across the world. Share this with your family. Share it with your friends. The time is now for health freedom and the time is now for truth. Let's drop in with Leslie. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. It's Josh Trent. It is 10 a.m. Pacific. I am here on Wellness Force for this special live truth-based podcast with Leslie Manukin, the director of The Greater Good Movie. Leslie, good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Josh. I'm super happy to be here. And I'm so sorry to say this, but it's Manukian. Ah, but- Manukian. Well, I even asked you before we recorded, but this is this is so interesting. The the way that our mind perceives something and then what actually comes out of our mouth. It's a perfect lens of how we can start the show. I think about what's going on right now with our brothers and sisters and the way that so many lies are being perceived as truth. You know, we titled this podcast, The Truth About Flattening the Curve and Vaccines. Uh, Before we dig into all the research, we have people that are watching live that have already been notified via email. Let us know where you're watching from. If you have questions for Leslie, she's got a decade plus of research in vaccines and really is a specialist. Um, Leslie, tell us what brought you to the Greater Good movie. I mean, what even inspired you to make that movie? And what's that movie about as it pertains to what we're experiencing right now in our country, in the world. So I want to just go back a bit before that. Um, I was super duper mainstream, super duper. I mean, I worked on Wall Street. I ran Alliance Capital's European growth portfolio management business for seven years. And I worked at Goldman Sachs and I got an MBA from the University of Chicago. So, you know, very much part of the system and never, ever questioned vaccines was getting flu vaccines all the way through this until my early 30s. Didn't know why I was getting sick because I was getting more and more sick. Um, Kept going to a mainstream doctor and he finally said, listen, I know you're sick, you know you're sick, you should go and see a homeopath or an acupuncturist because I can't help you. Um, And that prompted me to do it, which then got me into homeopathy school because I saw a homeopath and it really changed my life. And it was so exciting. And I felt like, oh my gosh, this is the answer. There's such a huge connection between our minds and our bodies and doing what fulfills our souls. And I wasn't doing something that fulfilled my soul. And 
what happened was the very first day in homeopathy college, the guy who was leading orientation talked about the vaccine issue. He literally said, we're going to talk about the mind-body connection, nutrition, all these different things over the next three years in our course. And we're going to talk about vaccines. And I was like, excuse me? I raised my hand and I said, vaccines are the greatest invention of humankind. What are you talking about that they might be a problem? And he said, well, um, that's one perspective, but we're going to go into much more. And after the class, I went, he went out into the hallway and gave me a book that I read. And I was literally called in that moment. I knew that I was going to make a movie about vaccines after I read the book, not in that first moment, but after I read the book and talked to the head of the homeopathy college. And so it's been actually 20 years now since that um, first started. And that was essentially the impetus. I just felt, I read this book and it was called Neil Miller's Vaccines, Are They Really Safe and Effective? And it just blew my mind because you go in the back of the book and it's got over 900 footnotes to published peer-reviewed scientific literature and newspapers and things. And I didn't expect that. And it documents a whole spectrum of adverse reactions to vaccines. And I had no idea that there were any. And so that was what really started me on a journey. And then a few years later, I got pregnant and I was like, okay, there's something going on here. I need to explore Things more. Things change when you become a mother, right? Uh, you start thinking about health in a whole different way. Oh my so gosh. Many mothers, so many parents that, that tune into the show and, you know, so that people understand just how much education you have on this subject and why Weston A. Price featured you on their podcast, why you are being featured on Wellness Force, like the actual academia that you have gone through and the understanding of vaccines and of really this germ theory and COVID. Can you talk about some of your relationships in health and in medicine that you developed in the creation and research of this film, just so people know where you're coming from? Yeah. So in the, I mean, first of all, I researched the whole issue for eight years before I ever started the movie maybe 10 years, I don't know, it was a long time. And I then started meeting scientists and doctors who started having issues. And one of the people in my movie called The Greater Good Movie, greatergoodmovie.org, um, is a doctor whose baby died from vaccines, okay? And um, so I started meeting more and more doctors and more and more researchers. And then the web grew because this was a time when very few people understood that there might be a negative aspect to vaccines. And these scientists were being essentially muzzled by their institutions and things. It's actually worse today in some ways than it was back then, but they also didn't know each other. They didn't know who was out there. So someone might be an expert on autoimmune diseases while someone else was an expert in aluminum and the biophysiology of aluminum. So during this whole course, I mean, now it's been 20 years, I've amassed a huge um, network of um, scientists and doctors that I've worked with, that I learn from, that I share information with, yeah. and I'm part of some online communities. And our movie is a, you know, it was scientifically vetted by a, uh, an acclaimed pediatrician and by the most respected autoimmunologist on the planet. And it's scientifically vetted. So basically, it's just been 20 years of working with these people. But I'm also a qualified homeopath. So I've done um, three years of formal homeopathic education. Um, obviously, very, very different from my finance background, but yes. Well, um, I love that you came from wall street, which is essentially, you know, brick and mortar, <laughs> like the ivory towers. And now you come from the belly of the beast yourself. And it's just yeah. so special that we're here. And, you know, I'll be honest with the whole audience. Like I'm so incredibly upset. I actually had to do some breath work and calm myself down before we came online so that I could speak and direct questions from a calm place. But I am boiling inside. I think I yeah. am really a mirror of the sacred anger that so many of us are 
just pushing down. We're not allowing mm-hmm. ourselves to feel anger. Anger is so much more powerful than despair. And there are so many millions of people that are in utter despair right now. Can you paint the picture? Here we are on the 11th of May, uh, 2020, which is 2020 vision for all of us. I think we're coming to this point for multiple reasons. But can you paint the picture of where we actually are with this COVID piece that we're being really forced down our throats by the media and by so many people with an agenda. There is an agenda going on here, but can you share with us exactly where we are with all your knowledge and research? Yeah, and I just wanna add a couple of things. I've been a Weston Price nutrition um, chapter leader and counselor for almost 10 years, been on the board of the Weston Price Foundation. I'm on the board of Health Freedom Idaho. You know, I've been involved with a huge spectrum of um, health, and health freedom issues for 20 years. This is what I've spent on my, and I have, you know, friends who are immunologists and friends who are all these different kinds of things. So I spend a lot of time and energy taking courses and doing things like that. I'm not an immunologist. I'm not a virologist. I don't have that kind of, you know, expertise about interferons and interleukin and, you know, all these yes. things, but I understand more, way more than the average person. And I've been studying it for 20 years. So, um, so what's really going on is I think that it is really scary, okay? And it's easy to feel despairing. And I have felt that way in recent years because if you look at what's going on, you can see that in many ways, Josh, this has been telegraphed for a long time. So um, there's a program, there are programs that come out of the Department of Health and Human Services called Healthy People 2020. There was a 2010 and a 2000, and there's a 2030, and these things have been in the works for years. And they've been talking about requiring mass vaccination of the population by this year for a long time. And then you see last year there were things like Event 201, which Bill Gates funded and was a um, cooperative experiment in a coronavirus pandemic. It was in October of last year, and it was between Gates, Johns Hopkins, and the World Health Organization. And um, you see all these things happening. And then you see that already last fall, there were people talking about pushing forward with tracking and um, changing laws in order to suspend democracy and things like that. These are things that are being put out there, and they're very frightening. But I think the most important thing people need to understand is the facts about coronavirus, because once you really understand what's going on, then it's not nearly as frightening. Yeah, share with us those real facts, because I think that's what's being the puppeteer strings misleading in the media. Exactly. So you look at what really happened. So how is the media is putting out this narrative that tens of millions of people are going to die, that we have no idea how bad it's going to be, that um, hundred, tens of millions of people are going to contract it. It's, you know, that it's going to be this massive problem. And the truth is that in, in private, they're saying like Dr. Anthony Fauci, who wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine a little over a month ago, that the likely death rate was probably 0.1%. Now in public, when he goes on the task force press conferences, he's talking about a death rate of three or four percent. He's even started out with eight percent, nine, ten percent. And where these numbers came from were two big models. One of the models was from UK's Imperial College of London, okay, which interestingly took about 134 million dollars from the Gates Foundation in the last few years. They were the ones that forecast that 2.2 million Americans would die and 500,000 Britons without any kinds of intervention. 
Okay. And then you have the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation, which is part of the University of Washington in Gates' hometown, Seattle. And that institution got a grant from him for $229 million, $269 million in 2017 or something like that. Um, we're talking, you know, huge, huge money. And they put out that 1.7 million people would die. And so what happened was the media in this country were running with those numbers. And it was really being pushed on them. Because what people don't understand, and I actually want to read this to you, the Gates Foundation has been funding the media for a very long time. For people who are as old as me, you will remember that Gates many years ago um, was a bit of a pariah. And the reason for that is that he was very prone to mercenary business practices. He was a real pit bull and used monopolistic practices to push out any competitors to his Windows programs. And so he was sued in federal court by the Federal Trade Commission and by the European Trade Commission. And it was a really, really big deal. They were talking about breaking up Microsoft. And I mean, he was just reviled because he was clearly unveiled for being not a very nice person, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the next year, after all this happened, it was settled. He paid a three or $400 million fine. He stepped down as CEO of Microsoft. Some people believe that that was a quid pro quo, that he had to do that, but I don't know that for sure. But what's interesting is he started the Gates Foundation the following year, which I believe was 2000 or 2001. And in the first decade of, of the 2000s, so from 2000 to 2010, the Gates Foundation literally gave a billion dollars to the media, a billion dollars wow. to me. Okay, and here's what they do, okay? I want to read it to you. I kept it up. Quote, this is from an article in the Seattle Times in 2010, I believe. To garner attention for the issues it cares about, the foundation has invested millions in training programs for journalists. It funds research on the most effective ways to craft messages. Gates-backed think tanks turn out media fact fact sheets and newspaper opinion pieces. Magazines and scientific journals get Gates money to publish research and articles. Experts coached in Gates-funded programs write columns that appear in media outlets from the New York Times to the Huffington Post, while digital portals blur the line between journalism and spin. I share this, Josh, because it's really important information to understand that the media has essentially become the PR arm of the Gates Foundation on many levels. And when you consider that the Gates Foundation is funding the WHO, the World Health Organization, to the tune of over $550 million in the last two years, the second largest funder of that organization in the world, second only to the United States, you need to put this in perspective. A lot of what's being put out there is the hype, the worst case scenarios, rather than the science. And here's the thing. Now we have actual data rather than projections. And what the data shows us is that the death rate is likely 0.1 to 0.2%. This is real data about what's going on. Let's pause right there because there's a lot to unpack there. If you look at the (laughs) CDC numbers as of today, May 11th, it's 47,000 deaths total. That's from the CDC website, which we're going to link in the show notes. Yet so many of our brothers and sisters are cowering, wearing a mask, sitting down, not speaking their truth and doing exactly what they're told. I mean, it's utterly fascinating to me. I've never seen anything like it. Why are people in so much fear? Why are people not going directly to the CDC site, seeing that it's within that 0.01, if not lower? Fauci also wrote about this in the journal that you spoke about. Yeah, we'll link New that in the journal, that's 
All of these things are right out in plain sight. This has nothing to do with conspiracy theory. The best way to masquerade and do anything is in plain sight. But, but what do you think about this? Is this a pandemic or is it a pandemic when we look at the real numbers? Well, I think it's very clearly a pandemic um, for many reasons. When we just look at the numbers, like I said, the data is showing us that on average, if you test a ton of people, the more people you test, five to 15% have contracted it and 99% re recover without any you know, any medical intervention. 50% of people in the UK, they say, have already had it. And they don't even know they've had it. Most people don't have any idea that they've ever had it. There are some science showing that 80% of people in family units and community settings, you know, so in a home, have been exposed and developed antibodies and don't have any clue that they've ever had it, okay? But what's being hyped is those really radical, exaggerated forecasts, which are based on ridiculous models. That's what they're based on, not on real world. And so here's the other thing is that Virology Note 101 tells us that viruses mutate, okay? Once they are out there in infecting people. And the reason for this is really important. If you're a parasite, which is what a virus is, it doesn't live on its own. It can't live outside of you really. Okay. It needs your cells. Do you want to kill the host? No, you'd of course have, you, you need fuel. You need fuel. Yeah. So, so what happens is I just read this yesterday. New genetic research shows that the virus has recently dropped 81 letters in its genetic sequence, just like SARS did 17 years ago. And the upshot of that is that it's weakening itself. It's attenuating naturally. So there are now, I've read 41 strains all over the world and they group into three or four um, strains. But the point is that it's mutating and it's not dangerous really to the vast majority of people. If you look at who's being impacted from it, it is people who are in nursing homes. Sure. So a third to a half of the people in the United States who died were in nursing homes. People that are at risk to the flu anyways. Already, yeah. number one. And number two, um, they, um, they're all being vaccinated for the flu. And there is very, very clear, good research showing that being vaccinated with flu vaccines increases your susceptibility to other respiratory viruses like coronaviruses. So I think that that's what's going on. But the point is that what we're seeing in the real world is 0.1 to 0.2%. And also what we're seeing in the real world is that it doesn't matter if you lock down or not. It doesn't matter if you wear a mask or not. They are putting information out there that I think actually really confuses people because they are contradicting themselves constantly. Well, the, 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 best, way, the best way to confuse people is to oversaturate them with information. That's why people come to Wellness Force for information they can trust that I vetted. That's why I wanted to feature you on the show because we know that the coronavirus was here in December. There is an article we're going to link in our show notes that you've spoken yeah. about. I actually, just on a personal note, I got very sick at the end of December in, in Sedona, Arizona. Um, I was on a hike with my beloved. We were going up the mountain in Kauai. I could not breathe. I have never in my entire life felt like that. I'm a very healthy person. There's been people that I've talked to in the health community at very high levels that have also said they got sick in December and January. You also had a nasty bout with this sickness. CDC has reported that it could have been here as early as December 20th. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on this? Yeah. I think it may have been here even earlier. And there's some researchers saying maybe September or maybe even last year. Um, 
It's speculation. I mean, I can't say definitively when it is, but it's very clear that it's been here much longer than people expect. There's a um, Oxford University in Britain put out a, um, a study which said, like I mentioned, that they think that at least half the population has had it and that it was circulating there way, way before generally acknowledged. Um, all this tells us is that the virus is far more contagious than originally expected which is good news because millions of people have had it and very few people have died. If you look at a normal flu season, I mean, 2017, 2018, in this country, it was 81 deaths from the flu. 81 deaths, that's what they say. And we're nowhere near that number. And um, if you look at, I mean, just all-cause death rate in the United States, 7.7 thousand people die every day in the United States. Um, 5,000 from a car accident, uh, or no, 5,000 pedestrians walking down the street innocently getting hit and killed by cars. People die, I mean, look, it's unfortunate. And please, I want all your viewers slash listeners to know that nothing I'm saying undermines my compassion yes. or my sincere, heartfelt um, you know, pain I feel for people who've suffered. I feel the same um, my husband really struggled with it, so I'm not in any way downplaying that. But the thing is, being in fear doesn't help any of us. And being under lockdown doesn't help us because way more people die from domestic violence, suicide, heart attacks, and things like that than are dying from this. Coronaviruses have been around forever. There's seven there types are, of coronaviruses, right? They, they've been cool. around for seven, how long? There are seven types that infect humans, okay? Four that have been around. This is a really interesting story, and I want people to really – just mull this over, consider this, okay? For decades, we have known that there are four different kinds of coronaviruses. They cause the common cold. No one's ever been afraid of them. No one's ever thought that there was anything to be concerned about, or certainly locked down or anything like that. And then all of a sudden in 2002, a new coronavirus emerged out of China called SARS. And this was supposed to have a death rate of eight to 10%. And it ended up killing, I think, about close to 800 people of 8,000 infected. And I don't know if, you, if people remember, but it, there was like a pretty pretty big panic about it in the media and stuff. Sure. Okay. That was the first more scary coronavirus. But it's the first time we've ever seen a coronavirus that was one hyped that way and two was more benign than the common, was less benign than the common cold. Then we fast forward to, I believe it was 2012 when we had Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, another coronavirus, which was which had a high fatality rate. In fact, I think it was roughly a third, okay? And now we get to SARS-2, they call it, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. Um, and this has what we're seeing, a death rate of 0 0.1 to 0.2%, which is in line with a severe flu season. Okay, what's really important to understand is if one person gets something and they die from it, what's your fatality rate? 100%, right? Okay, so the numbers always look scary in the beginning, but human nature, or not human nature, nature, mother nature is an amazing force. God, life, nature, whatever you the grand want to mystery. call it. The grand mystery <laughs> yes, of all, right? Yes. And it's not going to do anybody any good to kill all the human beings, right? It's not going to do the world. Yeah. Some people might want that, but um, the point is that these things all mutate. And once you start getting out into the population, you see that there's a far lower death rate than was ever feared. And that these coronavirus, well, this is what I want to say about the whole coronavirus thing. I find it very peculiar that they've been benign for decades and decades and decades. And now all of a sudden we've had three 
that are hyped by the media and kind of scary. I find that very interesting. Well, and I find it fascinating as well. And I think about, we're going to get into the testing and the accuracy too, because the two pieces that are used in most of the fear propagation are wear a mask so you can not get other people sick and you could be asymptomatic, not showing anything at all, and then give it to somebody and kill them. So yeah. before we dig into that though, I just want to ask you this, like when it comes to the actual giving it to someone else, don't we always take precautions when we're sick to not give our flu, give our cold to anyone else? Isn't that just common sense? Why is the government standing in front of parents' decisions, standing in front of our own personal health freedom so that we are not trusted to make our own decisions anymore about how we are going to lead our lives when it comes to health? And then also, can you talk about the whole mask and the whole asymptomatic and getting other people sick? Can we talk at the end about the whole agenda, because there's an agenda. And I kind of want to unpack. Go there. My note sheet with you is like four <laughs> pages, but, but this is where we are. So please. Yes. So I just, I want to really put people's minds at ease before we get into that. If we can, Josh, sure, if you don't mind, please. so let's talk about the masks. Yep. So, and this is part of the whole issue. Okay. So CDC says, Six feet social distancing, World the WHO, World Health Organization, says three feet. Which is it? Okay. Doctors say that there are only a couple of um, pathogens which are airborne, like smallpox and tuberculosis. This is not airborne. It's only the droplets. Okay. So on the one hand, they're telling you to wear a, corona, a mask. On the other hand, they're telling you that masks don't do anything. The World Health Organization says that masks are not warranted. CDC says that, and then they change it. There's tons of conflicting research. Where I think the research really comes out is that if you have a problem, if you are sick and you need to go out, then you wear a mask. But for people who are healthy, it's actually not good for you. It's not constructive, and it doesn't help anybody. Why is that? Why is it not constructive? For a few reasons. So when we exhale normally... 0.04% of our, um, sorry, when we inhale normally and then exhale, we inhale 0.04% carbon dioxide and we exhale 3.8%. Okay. That's because that's what we do, right? We breathe in oxygen, more oxygen and other things. We breathe out a higher proportion of CO2, the trees, the plants, all of, um, all the green stuff breathes it in and then they breathe out oxygen for us. And it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship. When you put a mask on, you are trapping a ton of that CO2 that's actually not good for you into your, in that mask. And then you're rebreathing it. Mm -hmm. That's one thing, but you are also, when you exhale, you exhale viral particles and things like that, that are not alive. They can't do anything, but it's just part of your breath. Right. And so those things then get trapped in your mask and then the mask gets warm and it gets wet and they've actually studied the masks. And if you touch the outside of the mask and you swab it, far more infected than the inside. And then people take the mask off and then they touch things. They don't wash their hands first and all this. They're actually have much more potential to infect themselves. They're also breathing in less oxygen, more CO2, which causes stress to their system. When you do that, it raises your cortisol levels. And then when your cortisol levels goes up, your immune system goes down. It's one of the things because you know what? If a lion is chasing you, you don't want to get sick. You want to run. Exactly. So your immune system is suppressed in order to facilitate the fight or flight response. And so, and we know a lot of people are stressed out, right? So, so the point is that masks. It's very, very, um, very, very clear that the size of the 
COVID-19 virus, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, is actually too small to actually be trapped by a cloth mask, which is what CDC and the media are now telling us. And even the surgical masks, it's very, very conflicted. And the, the bottom line is that if you're sick, wear one. And if not, don't worry. Which is really like, you know, we go back to this theme of common sense and health freedom. And I know health freedom is a huge part of your life. We're going to link resources for how everyone can get involved with their own health freedom in every single state that they live. I want to go back to this mask issue because a friend of mine who is a very well-respected health advocate for freedom, he is Sean Stevenson from the Model Health Show. He did a special research video about the masks. And he said that really what this is when somebody wears a mask, it's a sign of submission. It's a sign of them keeping their mouth shut, doing what they're told. And also, if you look at the real research on these masks, they don't protect anyone. People are fidgeting with the mask. It's more of a psychological thing where it's like, oh, if I wear a mask or if I wear my ski thing over my nose, which, by the way, most people don't wear the mask properly. Air still gets in. This is more to do with you closing your mouth and doing what you're told than health in any single way. Can you expound upon that? So I have a friend who's has like a four or five year old child and she took her child out, her daughter out to the beach a couple of weeks ago, like on a lake near where she lives. And the child saw all these people in masks and was like really terrified and hiding behind her mother. Yeah. What's your normal response to seeing someone with a mask on? They're trying to rob you or you should be afraid Fear, of them. Right. Yeah. Masks are associated very clearly with scary individuals. Um, And a mask that covers only the bottom part or a good chunk of your face, it looks a heck of a lot like a gag. Okay? And so this is the point, that people are being gagged symbolically Mm -hmm. by masks on many, you know, so on a a psycho-emotional level. That's what it's about. And then, of course... To, to take this even deeper, are the people in the media wearing masks? Good question. Are the politicians standing up there? Have you seen Nancy Pelosi in a mask? Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump? Are they wearing masks? They're not wearing masks. Yeah. Those, the elite, are somehow not required. They're somehow excused by these rules. Um, I've never worn one and I will not. And, um, and, and there's reasons, so many reasons. There are health reasons, but most importantly, because they don't own my body. They don't own my life. And I'm not going to be told what to do. The, the one thing I want to mention here, too, is before we get into the actual testing piece, you know, so much of the population, like one third, I believe, that the research shows carries staff on their skin, on their nose. Like we are designed, our microbiome actually interacts with these uh, harmful invaders. It's part of the process of understanding that health comes from a microbiome. Health comes from being in harmony with nature. So can you talk a little bit about the asymptomatic and then the testing, and then create some clarity there for us. Because so yeah. many of us, they don't show any signs at all because that's our body doing its job. So this is something that's so important. I talked about this a little bit on the Western Price, um, the Wise Traditions podcast. But yes, there's a, um, I'm sorry, my computer has heated up. Can you hear it? Yes. Sorry. Good. That's why I was lifting it. Um, hopefully you're, it'll cool down. You're okay. Is it okay? Yep, okay. So fine. basically, we are milieu is bacteria and viruses. And um, the generally accepted understanding and big picture of our microbiome is that as long as 80% of our bugs are good, 
beneficial. They keep the 20% bad ones in, in check. So if you look at meningitis, strep, staph, these things are on our skin. They're in the back of our noses. As you mentioned, I talked about that study that literally a third of us carry staph in the back of our noses and on our skin. And people aren't running around terrified of that, are they? They're not wanting to lock other people down and they're also not all infected. This idea that exposure to bugs leads to infection is not true. There has to be other things. There's gotta be susceptibility, poor nutrition, lack of sleep, stress, and other things like that. So this is why we see healthy people are not having an issue. 94% of the people who were hospitalized in New York City had a comorbidity, meaning that they had an underlying condition, 94%, okay? Um, and if you look worldwide, it's been very, very high. I think it's close to 99% of people who've had an issue have had something else. So yeah, we are part of this massive um, um, microbiome. It's on us, it's on our family members, it's on our friends. And you know, when we touch them, we get a boost to our immune system. When we touch a door handle, when we go into a store, yeah. we get a boost. When we breathe and see our friends and exchange that, we're we are actually helping us. So this idea that the bugs are out there to get us, and unless we kill them all or avoid them all, we're all going to die, is just patently false. Anybody who's still pushing that theory of germs is literally stuck a couple hundred years ago. I mean, it's just crazy, but it's frightening. And you know, this is what they say. I don't know if people have ever seen this, but Rahm Emanuel and others have said this, never let a good crisis go to waste. Other politicians have said that when the public is frightened, you can achieve policy changes unthinkable under normal circumstances. This is why this whole thing is so important to unpack because we're getting conflicting information. We're getting frightening information. We're being told, do this, no, do that. Be afraid, no, don't be afraid. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, you know, all these things. And it's designed to frighten you. And remember what I said about Gates, they are giving talking points to the media. They are paying the media to portray the agenda the way they want it portrayed. And that's what's happening nationwide, worldwide. Leslie, can you go into the testing part of it? Because I think this is one of the pieces that everyone in the fear-based circle wants to pin their hat on. And it is, you can carry it, you can be asymptomatic, and then you can give it to someone else and you can kill them. And that is honestly what most people are guilting and shaming one another about. This is the thing that is dividing us. And I can't mm -hmm. believe that I'm watching this go down in real time. It's, it's utterly fascinating to me. It's mind-boggling, actually. Can you talk about the testing, the PCR, the antibodies, just so we can get some clarity there? So the, there's two different kinds of tests that are being used, to, um, used with respect to COVID-19. One of them is a PCR test, and one of them is antibody tests, okay? The PCR test was the test that was initially used in China to, quote-unquote, identify the virus, but just to be very clear, what they did is not considered sufficient according to long-held scientific standards. They didn't go and identify the virus in 100 or 200 or 500 people. They found 100 to 200 subjects. They took seven of those people and they identified the genetic a genetic SNP essentially, a a piece of genetic material in seven people. They took that genetic material and they said, this is the virus, okay? That is not how you identify a virus and it's not how you prove what a virus is capable of, whether it's pathogenic or not. And of course, again, 
people probably know that we have about 10 trillion cells in our bodies. Yeah. We have about six, um, 60 to 70 trillion bacteria and 360 trillion viruses. That's literally the, what we are, right? So the PCR test and the guy who developed the, t- the test is a guy named Kerry Mullins. And he said this test should not be used for diagnostic purposes. Why did he say that? Okay. Because it doesn't tell you that you've got millions of replicating viruses in your body. And it also doesn't prove that whatever you've found does anything. So they took this genetic material from seven people. They said, oh, they've got seven people have this and they have similar symptoms. But they didn't all have the same symptoms. And we're talking like 14 different symptoms. They didn't have two or three keynote symptoms, hallmark symptoms that everybody had. In fact, there are no hallmark symptoms. Like everybody who gets measles gets a rash. Chickenpox, you get a rash, right? It's not the way it is with this. And that's very strange. So they took this genetic material, genetic material. They say it's a virus, but they didn't ever prove that. They took the genetic material. And what you're supposed to do is then isolate it from everything else. So they took it from lungs, inside people's lungs, the little um, um, sacs that have fluid in them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And they, I didn't want to say it in case people didn't know. (laughs) They took, that's how they sampled it. And they took that fluid and then they said, okay, these seven people have it and this is it. And then they ran with it. That was it. What they should have done was taken the fluid isolated that genetic material, proved that it was a virus, and then grown it in a Petri dish, so cultured it to get lots and lots of it, and then give it to animals to make sure that the symptoms that they think it's causing, it actually is causing in animals. And they also should have had hundreds of controls, healthy people who didn't have any of that genetic material in them, but they didn't do any of that. They just took the seven people with this genetic strain and said, this is the virus and off we go. Now, the PCR test, the way that they identify the genetic material is by amplifying it, which means multiplying it. And the expectation or the kind of agreement is that if you multiply it, multiply it between about 34 and 36 times and a person is positive. So you take a sample from a person and you multiply it 34 to 36 times, they will test positive for it. Okay, that means, and, and they and it shows up, then they're positive. If you multiply it 30 times though, that it won't show up generally speaking. If you multiply it a hundred times, almost everybody will have it. So if we have the antibody, so, what is it actually showing? That's not an antibody though, that's this genetic strain. What it's showing you is that this genetic information is ubiquitous and it's not necessarily That's not what the PCR test is telling you, okay? It's not telling you that you're sick because it's this range. If you multiply it 30, your sample 34 to 36 times and you find that genetic material, then you're positive, quote unquote. But if you take everybody's samples and multiply it 40 or more times, then most people are gonna have it. So does that seem like a definitive test to you? Uh, Thank you so so much for that. That is so clear for me because the one thing that I think people are hanging their hat on is get tested, get tested, get tested. In your opinion, and based on your research, by the way, for all the people tuning in, there's so many comments. I've never seen this many comments on our channel. It's crazy. They're just flooding in. Um, This is Leslie Manukian. I said it right that time. 
You and, did. And, Thanks, John. And she is the director of The Greater Good film. This film goes into the real science with a decade plus of her own research and experience with medical academia. A lot of people are asking, who is this person? Is she a scientist? What does this person know? This person, mm-hmm. this, this film director who's speaking with us today, she's incredibly well-educated on this subject. And I find it so fascinating that people have to see somebody in a white coat in order to trust what someone is saying. Absolutely. What, it's what so amazing. Your- yeah. I mean, just for, for viewers, first of all, I'm launching my own website. I just launched it today, lesliemanukian.com. So I hope people go there. But I also have a website for my movie, which was an award-winning documentary on vaccines. And it unpacked all we know and don't know about vaccines through the stories of three people whose families were impacted by vaccines and shows both sides. It literally allows doctors and scientists to kind of argue their points on screen. And you can watch it from our movie, greatergoodmovie.org. So the the academia that you've studied and the type of medical relationships that we talked about in the beginning of the show, this actually steers to my next question. We've already gone through the testing. We didn't talk about antibodies. No, we didn't talk about antibodies. And that's super important, Josh. Yes, please. Thank you. So now there are all these companies are creating antibody tests, okay? And but they're not being FDA approved or vetted. There's no scientific standard, so we don't know. And there's a huge number of false positives with them, okay? And so there's false positives, there's false po- there's false negatives, but the Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the most prestigious clinics in the United States, won't use the test. They're not using antibody tests, and there's a simple reason for that. Because coronaviruses are ubiquitous. Common cold, who hasn't had a common cold? Coronavirus antibodies are therefore ubiquitous, very high. So the, you know, a lot of people, when you test them, will test positive, not because they've had COVID-19, but because they had coronavirus and there's this cross reactivity. And so there's this situation where we, we, the, the death rates being exaggerated, the number of people who've had it is being, is hard to really know. Although more and more research on the ground is showing now that one scientist just said that 33 million Americans had it, I think in the month of March. Wow. In California, there's a study that just came out of USC and another one out of Stanford that said the death rate is 0.1 to 0.2%. And um, I think they found something like in New York City, 20% of the New York City population has had it, they think. So there are a lot of questions about the tests, um, both antibody tests and PCR tests. And I just think people just need to relax and breathe and realize that this is no different than a common flu for 99% of the people. And so let's just all take a step back, look at what's really going on, and hopefully wake up to see that the media is actually manipulating us. And this is the truth, the mainstream media, because look, the independent media, I don't believe, is doing that. The independent media is doing their best to try and get out the truth, and they are. But the mainstream media is literally just the other day – I read about, and there have been a bunch of examples of it, but CBS or ABC News a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, ran footage claiming it was a hospital in New York City. The problem was a few days before that, the the same exact footage was run on Sky, which is a major well. television network in, in, in the UK. And they said it was from an Italian ER. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is not okay. And the media has been busted a bunch this year lying. And I just think that, you know, this is why I said to you before, I'm grateful that people are waking up, asking questions and starting to realize that you need to actually take responsibility for yourself, for your own life and go and dig deeper than just what's being pushed into your face. Because if it's being pushed into your face, 
somebody paid for it to be there and they have an agenda. Total sleep breakthrough in 2020. I've been using cured full spectrum hemp oil. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not for getting high. We know this. It is non-psychoactive. It has no THC. It has 100% terpene rich, cannabinoid rich, full spectrum, organically grown hemp oil. What does this actually do to the body? The reason I love this is because it downregulates the sympathetic nervous system. If you look at the research on PubMed and everywhere else, although the FDA does not allow anyone to make bold claims, this I can speak from a personal perspective. I take this organically grown Colorado hemp in the evenings. I hold it under my tongue for 60 seconds. I back this up with my data from the Aura Ring, my deep sleep increases, my restlessness goes away, and I just sleep better. We know that whether you're having digestive issues or joint pains or sleep issues, the most important thing for your recovery is your sleep. So if you've been struggling with sleep, give Cured Full Spectrum Organically Grown Hemp a test drive. You get 15% off because you're here with us in the Wellness Force mission. It is wellnessforce.com forward slash cured. Enter code wellnessforce at checkout. You get 15% off your organically grown hemp. If you've been looking for a hemp product that has been tested and vetted, give Cured a test drive at wellnessforce.com forward slash cured. Use the code wellnessforce to get 15% off your entire order. Leslie, I'm not here to convince anyone of anything. I'm not here to do anything other than to get to the truth. And I find it so fascinating that people are accusing myself and accusing you and just honestly accusing any of us in the podcast, the media world, the conscious media world, whether it's Luke Story or Dr. Kelly Brogan or Sayer G or Paul Check, anyone at all that is going against the main media narrative is actually accused of fear mongering. And I find that such an ultimate paradox because they're doing the opposite. What's really happening? Yes. Spelling the fear. What's really happening is the fear is coming from the puppeteer strings. What we're trying to do with everyone here, all the human beings watching and being here with us, is we're snipping the cords. We don't want to be controlled. We don't yeah. want to be wearing a mask, silenced, and then told if we don't wear a mask that we should be shameful of ourselves because we're quote killing others. Let's talk about the real narrative. Let me let me tell you too about all that. So last year there was supposedly a massive measles outbreak, people may remember. And there were, ended up being about 1,250 cases nationwide in the whole year. There were 25,000 cases roughly. There have been 25,000 cases of whooping cough on average in the last 10 years, but nobody was talking about that, were they? And the reason for that is because 85 to 100% of the cases in some places were fully vaccinated. So it destroys the narrative so they don't tell you about that. With the measles, more than 50% were, vac- were unvaccinated, okay? So they pushed that out there. But here's where I want to go with it. That whole narrative, first, the World Health Organization comes out and says that the top 10 risks to global health in 2019 are, amongst them, are anti-vaxxers. That was their word, yeah. okay? That's what they say, anti-vaxxers. And then Within a few days, the New York Times put out an op-ed piece all about how we need to rein in the anti-vaxxers, how our measles, measles is an issue and all this. Within a short period after that, congressional hearings were scheduled. Um, During the same time, Congressman Adam Schiff of California wrote to Facebook, Google, YouTube, all big tech, and said, censor anything that he called misinformation. I want to reiterate, my film was 100% scientifically vetted by 
an acclaimed pediatrician and the world's most acclaimed autoimmunologist. Okay. So scientifically vetted, it is a hundred percent backed up by medical literature. It's all on my website. It's all there under the learn more tab. Everything I say is based on the medical literature and on 20 years of, of, of research. But Adam Schiff calls it misinformation. Okay. He asks them to, to take down anything. Big media then started suppressing like crazy. They took down people's Facebook pages. MailChimp confiscated Sergey, who runs, who owns Green Med Info, yes. confiscated his whole email list. Mailchimp did this, of almost five hundred thousand contacts without warning, and he he literally lists scientific literature. <laughs> That's what he lists on his website. Sure. That's what it is. It's a compendium of scientific research. And for people that don't know, Leslie, uh, he is the partner of Dr. Kelly Brogan, who we feature on the show. So we're, we're well aware yeah. of of this yeah. narrative, uh, the narrative yeah. of truth, really. And then, and so I'm just wanting to explain that it, it has gotten so big. Amazon took my movie down from Amazon Prime, where it had streamed free for almost four years because of congressmanship. It's orchestrated, folks. And Dr. Tony Fauci, Anthony Fauci, who is, you know, the big guy spreading fear um, out there in, in all of the press conferences, in the task force press, press conferences, he testified in front of Congress that measles vaccines do not cause brain damage and brain inflammation. The problem with that is they do. When he said that, literally there were gasps from the public gallery. And then he's like, uh, uh, um, maybe in rare cases they do or something like that. Mm, the truth is, the truth is that measles vaccines have been known for decades to cause brain damage and brain inflammation. It's a, it's listed on the package inserts and it is compensated by the vaccine uh, compensation program and the federal court, the vaccine court. Okay. We have a federal court and a special court for vaccines. There's federal law, the national childhood vaccine injury act of 1986, which recognizes that vaccines injure and kill some children. It was signed into law by Ronald Reagan in 1986. And two years later, it went into full effect. And after that, the childhood schedule for vaccines tripled, tripled with zero liability for the pharmaceutical industry that makes them. Okay. And so, um, he literally it's, and, and the, the program also set up a table of compensable events. So things that are known to happen after vaccines and after measles vaccines, it says right there, anybody can search it up brain damage or encephalopathy and encephalitis. These are known things, but he sat there and said that they're not caused by that measles vaccines can't say that in front of Congress until people gasped. And then he corrected himself. What I'm trying to explain is that MailChimp has taken down things. GoFundMe won't let you phone fund anything if it raises issues about about vaccines. Even though federal federal law recognizes vaccines injure and kill, people's websites are being downgraded. Um, Mercola.com actually left Facebook. Facebook is censoring us. Yes. YouTube is censoring us. Um, Dr. Judy Mikovits, who's a friend of mine, her recent pandemic movie was taken down off of every platform you can imagine. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Bobby Kennedy. He literally can barely speak in the mainstream media. They won't quote him and they distort what he says. So he's going into alternative um, news sites like London Real now and, um, and other things. We are being systematically suppressed. And I want your listeners and viewers to ask themselves, why does do political and other authorities suppress free speech? Why do they you know, suppress things? 
when they don't like it and when they have something to hide. They're not suppressing people who are talking about alien abduction, to my knowledge, right? Yeah. But if we talk about this, we get we get suppressed, even though federal law acknowledges everything we say. And even though there are literally thousands of studies now documenting these adverse reactions. So I really want people to understand that there's a systematic effort by Google and other people to censor this information and sculpt them. So Google, literally, I've written about this and I gave a speech about it, which is on my website, lesliemanukian.com. I gave a speech about it. Um, it's on the interviews tab there. It was at the Natural Health Symposium. And I talk all about what big tech is doing in order to manipulate people, frighten them, track them, and essentially manipulate them into doing what they want them to do, which is to be good little sheeple wearing their masks. Yeah, let's pause right there. There's so much that you went over and I wanna remind everyone to take <laughs> a deep breath, right? Because this is a very charged issue. Um, there is an incredible amount of hatred and vitriol in the comments. There's also an incredible amount of love and of support. So this ultimate duality that we're walking here we're really looking at a language of deception, you know, shelter in place versus really what's happening is a lockdown and a house arrest. Oh wear a gosh. mask to save lives versus wear a mask if you choose to, if you really feel like you're sick and if you're showing symptoms, yes, wear a mask, be kind to other people. But let's talk about this one thing, the narrative that's going on here, the language of deception, the invisible enemy that we have to defeat. This is a wartime I've even heard uh, the president and different counsel, the White House, we're in wartime right now. We're in wartime. There's no war. We're not in a wartime. There's no missiles flying off against COVID. What's actually happening right now is our values, what we stand for and our freedoms, they're under attack. This has nothing to do with fear. This has everything to do with a different agenda that is leading people towards mass vaccination. Can you expound upon that? So here's the thing. People, the Bill Gates Fund... Bill Gates and his foundation have funded a microchip that will leave a mark, an, uh, sorry, a micro vaccine, micro patch vaccine that will leave an invisible mark under your skin, which is um, readable through an infrared uh, app on, on a phone. So basically before you go into a concert or you go onto an airplane or something, they will check that. He's funding that. He fund He's funding a microchip that's inserted under the skin that will connect to your vaccinations and medical records. It's already being trialed in Bangladesh. I've written about these things on my website under articles. Um, he's funding those. He funded the guys who came out with a, um, with the extreme um, estimates of how dangerous this would be. He has, he is all over the media talking about no mass gatherings until mass vaccinations. He has even said, I should read, find you the quote, but he basically said, that we don't wanna to see too many people get the virus. And Dr. Fauci has said the same thing. Well, we don't wanna to get to a place where we actually get natural herd immunity. Right. Why would he be saying that? Why would they be saying that? Why would because, he be saying that? Because they don't want natural herd immunity to evolve so that they can then force the vaccine on people. I'll tell you the governor in the state where I live, um, Idaho actually said in a press conference a few weeks ago, if people won't be good people and do the right thing and get vaccinated when it comes out, we'll change the code and we'll force it. He said, we'll just change the code then. Meaning we're gonna mandate it and force it on people. Mm -hmm. So this is as un-American as it gets. The big thing about being an American is that, and about our constitution is the radical notion that our rights are natural. They come from God, not from the government. Okay, which means they can't be taken away by government. 
And there is research showing that for every 1% increase in the, um, in the unemployment rate, death increases by 36,000 people. And that's old, so it's probably closer to 50,000 nowadays, yeah. okay? We're talking heart attacks and depression and suicide and all these other issues. Suicide is the big one that I've read. Yeah, far dwarfing the deaths from this, okay? And again, I'm not downplaying or minimizing anyone who has suffered as a yeah. result of this. I had it, my husband had it, we both, it was very bad. My husband, I almost took him to the hospital, but as a homeopath, I treated him homeopathically and he made it through in nine days, okay? Not 100%, but, you know, he was really bad. Um, I know what it's like, okay? My sister had it too. All I'm saying is, let's put it this way. If you, were, if you had two children and one of them had a peanut allergy, would you ensure that, would you prevent your other child from ever eating peanuts? Would you do that? You wouldn't because you don't want to hurt one in order to hurt, help another, right? Two wrongs never make a right. And it's never okay to take away my rights because I theoretically might harm somebody. This is pre-crime, right? This is, I haven't done anything. And yet you're telling people that they can't work. They can't provide for their families. They can't go outside. They can't go to a park. Yes. They can't go to the beach. They can't work. They can't do all these things. They can't worship. This is un-American and America the, the, con the Constitution is so unique because of this whole idea of where our rights come from. But there's another thing. Our Bill of Rights protects us in a way that no other nation does. The First Amendment says the right to re religion, assembly, speech, and other things. These are all being trampled by fear-mongering. Listen, would people accept this for the flu? Would they, would they accept yeah. the removal of all of these rights for the flu? Of course not. And yet this is setting a precedent for that. And we know where they're going because they have said they want mass vaccination. They have already chipped people. We know this. We know they want to microchip people. We know they want to vaccinate people with this mark. We know that they say that the world is not going to ever go back to normal. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's everywhere in the media, they are telling you what they want. And they are also usurping powers. And it's both sides. It's not just the Republicans, the Democrats and the Republicans. The Democrats just introduced the TRACE Act, which will test, track, trace everything you do. They want it nationwide. They want to give $100 billion to allow this to happen. What is the this, number on the TRACE Act? I saw that yesterday. Oh God. The TRACE oh God. Act, for everyone who doesn't know, I believe yes. is Bill 6666. You got it. And you know what what's really interesting, too? And Gates's, um, Gates's, uh, one of the um, one of the patents that he filed to, I can't remember if it's microchipping or if it's the one that literally harvests the energy from your um, bodily functions. It's W-O, world something patent 060606. You can't make this stuff up. Yeah. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is fact. I mean, it's it's posted anywhere. Anyone can search for it. Yeah. And I don't have it all on my website on lesliemanukian.com, but I will be writing about this and putting all this stuff out in the coming days and weeks. Yeah. I have written already six or seven articles about much of it, but there is so much. I have been doing nothing but studying this for the last few months, because as soon as it happened, and this is really important that people understand, Dr. Fauci's National Institutes of Health gave the Wuhan Institute of Virology a grant 
to study coronaviruses, how they infect humans, specifically from bats. Okay, there were no bats in the Wuhan market. No bats there. No bats sold, no bats there. It came from a laboratory, and even the intelligence people are now admitting that. And what's interesting is that they were doing this kind of research back in 2013, 14, I think, and Congress said it's called gain-of-function research. It teaches viruses how to infect people and basically enhances them. It can make them, you know, take a bat virus and make it do something. Well, they were, if I remember correctly, they were um, testing it on monkeys. Well, you need it to go from bats to monkeys to humans. It needs like an intermediary because it's too big of a leap from the bat to humans. They were studying the gain-of-function in monkeys. Congress said no more shut it down in 2015. And around then, Fauci then gave three, I've, I've read $3.7 million or seven something million, but funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study this very stuff. This is all out there. Yeah. And even the, some mainstream out, outlets have reported on it. It's not a conspiracy theory if, if everything's in plain sight. And you know what's no. fascinating to me too is the CIA was actually the one who coined the term conspiracy theory. So you can search Absolutely. that as well. You know, we're in this beautiful time, Leslie, where we have such powerful conversations that can be shared in real time live right now. I've never seen such a response on Wellness Force. And it's because we're touching a heartstring here. We're touching the safety and the security of ourselves, our freedom, our health, our brothers and sisters. Why do you think, what is it about the human psyche that is such a side choosing mechanism? In other words, Democrat, Republican, pro-life, pro-choice, wear a mask, you're killing people, or let's be outside and breathe fresh air. What is it about our human psyche? The same thing that relates to vaccines, pro or con. What's the mechanism there that we're all actually dealing with right now? Choosing sides, if you will. I don't know if I can unpack that in one minute. Um, I think I want to address it this way, okay? Which is that we want to, we, we all want to, be happy and feel safe. Yes. Okay. And when somebody says that our institutions that we trust and rely on to keep us safe and protect us aren't doing that, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. I went through it myself when this first, when that, when that, you know, teacher at homeopathy college first gave me that book to read, I cried for days. I did. And I took the book and I went to the president of the homeopathy college, book in hand, and I was shouting at her, how can this be true? And she sort of shrugged her shoulders like, sorry to wake you up, sister, but money and agendas, right? Um, There are, not everybody wants what's best for people. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, I guess I would ask your viewers, do they believe everything that government tells them about um, I would emphatically say no. About fat? Of course not. Do they believe that? Do yeah. they believe how, you know, about meat, about right. um, holistic medicine and things like that? Acupuncture and homeopathy and essential oils? Are these all quackery? Well said. Of course not. But that's what they tell us. That's what the AMA says. That's what, you know, medical authorities are constantly pushing on us. I'd encourage people to actually dig into something called the Flexner Report, which was written, published in 1910. And it was actually uh, funded by the Carnegie and um, Rockefeller foundations. And it was essentially an exercise in discrediting all of the um, natural healing modalities that existed that were actually doing a great job. Sure, there were some snake oil salesmen, but it was for the most part to get rid of the the holistic ones in order to pave the way for chemical-based, pharmaceutical-based medical paradigm, which we live under and struggle with. 
And um, I guess I'll just finish by saying that I think that these, these things that we're talking about shake us to our core, because if we can't trust these agencies, these institutions with the health and well-being of our babies, we have to accept on some level that we can't trust anybody, right? That's scary, that we have to do our own research, that we are responsible. But that's also super empowering, Josh, right? Because it means you're free. Live free. Make your own choices. Don't do what somebody tells you just because someone is telling you. Find out if it resonates with you. Find out what works for you. Do what's best for you. Because you're not going to risk your life, are you? Doing what's best for you is actually what's best for other people, too. This is exactly what you talk about with your film, The the Greater Good. Our biggest focus with the film, you said, is inform yourself. That's what this entire conversation has been about. This is what free speech and the Constitution was written for. You know, we're at this point in the conversation where we've unpacked quite a bit when it comes to COVID and, quote, flattening the curve. What is the real truth about flattening the curve? By the way, there's more than one curve. There's the curve of suicide and house arrest and lockdown and bankruptcy and the generational poverty that this could possibly ensue from. What Mm -hmm. is the real price of flattening the curve? Well, those are two separate things. First of all, there are many researchers who actually looked into the curve. And what they have found is that whether you lock down or not, the outbreak of this disease falls follows a normal pattern of over six or, of about six to eight weeks. Okay. And it doesn't make any difference. It comes in, it goes up, it peaks, and then it tapers out whether you've locked down or not. Iceland did not lock down like we did. Sweden didn't lock down like we did. And they've had the same pattern, yeah. but they haven't destroyed their economies in the process. They have not. And so there are many, there's a, a scientist out of Israel who modeled the whole thing. And he said, he's a mathematician and he's like, doesn't make any difference. It follows a pattern. And that makes sense because there are cycles in life. Like this is a really important thing. And I'll just share this because it helps to put the whole vaccine thing in context. So measles has been known as long as there's been measles, people have known that there's a cycle to measles. Okay. And it usually is a three to five, three to five year cycle whereby the people who are older and have permanent immunity from the measles because they had natural wild cases of it as children die off and the kids, more kids are born who haven't been exposed to it. So when that falls below 50%, the population, then you see an outbreak and it takes a few years. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So there's the cycle, it goes up and down, okay? Sure. And so then what was assumed, and if you, rather, if you look back in the early part in the first 20 years of the 20th century, so 1900 to 1920, there were on average 10 to 20,000 people dying every single year from the measles, okay? And then what happened was people started to realize, oh, we need to wash our hands and we need to get clean drinking water to the people and refrigeration and we need to get the sewage out of the streets and do all these things. And they implemented all these public health measures. And the um, American uh, Academy of Pediatrics, the Journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics published an article looking at U.S. data showing that 90%, roughly 90% of the decline in infectious disease mortality occurred as a result of all those public health measures and had nothing to do with vaccines or antibiotics. They published this in June of 2020. Um, what's really interesting is that there was these cycles, right, where it goes up and down. They introduced the vaccine in 1963 for measles vaccine. Guess how many deaths there were on average in the five years preceding the introduction of the vaccine? So from 1958 to 1962. 
430 in the entire United States. Now, why? It comes back to what I said earlier, virology 101. These things have a cycle, but also as we become healthier, as we have more nutrition, as we get rid of, you know, dirty water and sewage and things like that, those are the problems that are afflicting the developing world. And we don't have those issues. That's why these scientists are finding that there's a normal cycle, that 5 to 15% of the people are going to get it, that most people will never know they've had it, most people are exposed, and we shouldn't be terrified. And so this whole flattening the curve thing is actually a, a fallacy because what we do isn't affecting it. And this has been documented by several scientists, okay? Then I forgot where you wanted to go because it wasn't really that's about perfect. flattening the curve, but something else. That's perfect. I just think that's a really great way to kind of like yeah. think about it. You know, we had gone from 20,000 people, 10 to 20,000 people dying on average to 430 in a nation of 150 or 70 million people. Nothing. Yeah. My question to you is the truth about flattening the curve. There's another side yeah. of it too. There's another curve, Leslie. And that curve yes. is pushing people towards forced vaccinations, being bankrupt, being really like economically so bankrupt that they're dependent on the system. By the way, that system directs where you go, how you talk, if you wear a mask, where you go in public. Um, my girlfriend and I were at the beach and we were sitting down and we were told that we couldn't sit at the beach. We could not sit at the beach. We had to keep walking as if somehow this is going to serve our brothers and sisters. What's, yeah. what's the real truth on the other side of the curve? You talked about how, how flattening the curve is a fallacy. My, my, my deep question for you is what's on the other side of this? You know, if we go down this path together of flattening the curve and wearing a mask and doing exactly what we're told, um, what's on the other side of that? What are the ramifications from suicide to bankruptcy and everything else that you're seeing and, and people in your circles in medical research and academia are actually seeing? So I also have this, you know, experience of working on Wall Street and, um, for 12 years and, you know, being into finance. And there's a guy I follow named Martin Armstrong, and I've been to his conferences, armstrongeconomics.com. And this guy is has the biggest database, the most clients, and is um, unbeholden and, and un, um, I think, un- because he cannot be influenced, essentially. He has his own business. This guy has been around for a long time. They threw him in jail and never tried him for 13 years in the United States because he wouldn't give his model up. The CIA wanted it. This is a bigger thing. But the point is that he says he has these models that basically show that there's a cycle to everything in life, to climate and disease and economies and currencies and political systems and all sorts of things, okay? Okay. And he says that we have already, within seven weeks, we got to at least 25% unemployment in this country. It's much higher than the official numbers because tens of millions of people don't qualify for unemployment because they are part-time workers and things like that. So they can't apply. They don't qualify. And they're not in there. He says that more than probably 50 million Americans are out of jobs. And that what we are going to see that this whole thing has presaged a downturn, an economic downturn and social destruction that is unprecedented. In the Great Depression, it took three years to get to 25% unemployment. And that happened in seven weeks, okay? That these people in power who are pushing these um, drastic measures on us have no experience or appreciation for what is going to happen and all the people. I have friends who are massage therapists and body workers and stuff who've had businesses for 20 years, thriving businesses. They're broke now. 
there are millions of those kind of people all over. And so we are going to see a very, very severe setback and it's not going to be fixed in a few months. The, the fallout from this is going to last years, he says. And I totally believe him. He has been right on everything, his models, his models anyway. Um, I think that the human impact is going to be immense. And I think that people don't understand where this is going, which is that they do want to microchip everybody. They do want to get rid of paper currency and insist that you use their digital currency. They do want to introduce digital currencies. It's been floated in Britain and across Europe. They do want to preserve their power. They're trying to amass more power. The World Health Organization has said that they will go into people's homes and remove them. They want to, Gates is investing in a billion dollar, um, I forget how many satellites it is, satellites that will blanket the world in live video surveillance footage with a second delay. This is where it's going. They want to track everything you do. You can't go to a school. You can't go to a concert. You can't get on an airplane unless you have their vaccines. And this is so important. We haven't talked about this, but coronavirus vaccines are incredibly dangerous. I have to share this really quickly, really quickly, Josh. They've been trying to make these kind of respiratory vaccines for years and they have failed. And in the last 20 years, they tested these coronavirus vaccines in animals. And after SARS, they tried to develop a SARS vaccine. Excuse me. They injected the animals with this vaccine. The animals developed antibodies and they were like, fantastic, robust antibody response. They then exposed the animals to wild, the wild virus, and the animals had a severe, exaggerated immune response. <coughs> Excuse me. When the truth comes out, sometimes we have to pause. <laughs> that's what yeah, happens that's sometimes, what yes. <coughs> they injected the animal, or they, they exposed the animals. The animals developed systemic inflammation. They developed severe um, inflammation in their lungs and infection in their lungs and a bunch of the animals died. It was so dramatic that they never progressed the studies to human studies because they figured it would be too dangerous to do so. The coronavirus vaccines that are being fast-tracked right now have bypassed animal studies. How is that even possible? Like, How could that legally be possible to fast-track and not have humans be tested? not have animals be tested because the FDA permitted it. Wow. I'm glad you mentioned that because we're at this point of the conversation where I think a lot of us are feeling the full amygdala fear response and we're being flooded from the nervous system, right? And so in no way for for the people that are still with us, um, the 300 people plus that are with us right now live on Facebook, the tens of thousands of people that will hear this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify, in no way does my heart want you to be in fear. My whole intention with this conversation with Leslie is to bring on someone that has a decade plus of research with doctors, with virologists, to produce a film that'll actually serve the greater good. This is not about being in fear. This is about transcending fear, my friends. This is the opposite. This is is about saying you don't have to, you know, dig deeper. I invite people to dig deeper than the mainstream, ask questions, start to take a step back and see how. They're contradicting themselves. How, what effect that has on you? 
How does it feel when you're confused? How does it feel when someone tells you that millions of people are going to die? And ask yourself, why is the data and the science that shows that this is no more dangerous than the flu, why is that being taken off of YouTube? Why is it being taken down from Facebook? Why is it being suppressed by by Google? Why is there systematic suppression of this information? And why was that part of Event 201, the pandemic coronavirus exercise that they did last October, why did they specifically say that misinformation, disinformation, would it would be required to be suppressed? Why did they actually talk about that already last October? That was the plan, right? That's what's necessary in order for them to control the narrative. The internet is this great equalizer, right? It's a it's leveled the, f- the playing field because people like you and I can put information out there. Although we're needing more and more secure platforms and people who yeah. stand for free speech because so many of them are this, taking stuff down. This video, Leslie, will, is being recorded in real time to my computer um, because quite frankly, I think it may be taken down. You know, this is the first time I've ever gone, I guess you could say this bold and I'm honored that it's with you. <laughs> because the way that you've spoken your truth so eloquently, you know, and, and it was interesting, you started coughing you. when really some of the most scary information was coming out. I feel like there are dark energies in this world and we don't need to go too far down the esoteric path. But right now we're, we are in somewhat of a battle for truth, a battle for love. You know, there's always been these opposing forces, whether you're logical or spiritual, there's always a dark, there's always a light. So thank you, thank you for being part of the light. And for people that are in that fear, for people that want to do something that is going to truly serve their brothers and sisters, what can they do right now? What's an action step from a place of grounded truth, not frenetic, crazy action? How can they take a breath and where can they go and what can they do from an inspired place to bring light and love up to the top? Well, first of all, I'd say breathe. Number one. We love to breathe on Wellness Force. Breathe. We love breathing. Take some deep breaths and realize that I totally understand how frightening some of the information I'm sharing is. That it's jarring, it's frightening, it's unsettling, it's uncomfortable, I get that. It takes time to work through that. But once you come out the other side, it's liberating because you no longer are subject to the fear mongering. And so that's really liberating, okay? Um, I would also encourage them to find a half a dozen media outlets that they trust. And I don't mean big media, I mean on health. For the most part, I would not recommend that they look at mainstream because it's all owned. I mean, 70% of television, you know, big TV news revenues come from the pharmaceutical industry. You're not gonna get the truth there. As I said, Gates owns the media. He's been, you know, he's given billions now. Um, the pharmaceutical companies, um, they spend there's about 250 million a year lobbying Congress and directly give Congress 30 million a year. Um, they're the one of the biggest, if not the biggest lobby groups. You know, you're not going to get the um, the unvarnished truth from these outlets. So breathe and start digging. Start looking at independent outlets, follow the money. I'd encourage people to look at my website. I'm going to start putting up resource lists for resources that I trust from Mercola.com yes. to, I love something called justthenews.com. It's a fantastic news organization that's very, very 
committed to yeah. unemotional <clears throat> reporting. But there are a lot of things. Weston Price Foundation, you know, the independent guys, look at them. That's where I'd get my information. And one other thing, join a health freedom group. Most states have a health freedom group, and I will be posting on my website very soon a list of health freedom groups. But just go and search on your website, on your in your search engine. Don't use Google, please. Please do not use Google. Google tracks what do you anything use and everything of you Google? do. I use DuckDuckGo or Brave. I've heard of Brave, yes. Yeah. Um, but Google tracks everything you do. And most importantly, they are manipulating you. If you type in, they may have changed it. <clears throat> Here I go again. They may have changed it recently, but last year when I was checking this, when you typed in homeopathy, it would put up all sorts of things like it's a fraud, it's a joke, sure. it's a hoax, all these things. Who is searching for that, right? And then there's a guy named Dr. Robert Epstein who actually testified in front of Congress. And if you go on to Mercola.com and search for Robert Epstein, you will see some uh, testimony and article he's written there, fantastic. He talks all about how Google is literally manipulating and suppressing people through their search engine optimization, but also through their search engine um, recommendations. So by doing that, it's you think when you go into Google and you type something in and it does that autofill, that that's what other people are organically searching for, but it's not. Human beings are overriding it to put in there what they want you to search for. Yeah. This is auto suggestion. This is well known in yeah. psychological models, auto suggestion. Yeah. You're typing in the Google search bar and it completes it for you. Uh, yes. this is, we're, we're no stranger to this, Leslie. And, and can you share something tactical? You talked about the health freedom. Do you know the website where people can get involved in their health freedom in their state? Do they just search health freedom on Google? That's what the thing is, is, so I have to tell you that since I did the wise traditions podcast two weeks ago, people have been asking all this. I did a zoom meeting for them last week. Everyone's asking for it. So we're pulling together a list. Great. I will post it on my website soon. I can right. get it to you so that you can post it as well. It will. It's yes. it's going to be on the Weston Price Foundation website as well. So it's getting out there. The point is that there are a couple of national organizations, but they're not active in all of the states. And the other thing is the best thing is grassroots. Get to know your legislators. Tell them that you care. Tell them that, no, you own your body and you're not going to be microchipped and you're not going to be forced to be vaccinated with a vaccine that's been fast-tracked. Um, that's what you need to do. You need to make sure that your local representatives know how you feel about things and that you are going to stand up for your freedom. Yeah, it's an incredibly charged issue. Um, I just have a lot of gratitude in my heart. I know everyone watching this uh, feels the same way, whether they're spiritual or analytical. The truth is undefeated. It may take time, but eventually the truth does bubble up to the surface. If you could contrast, you know, our physical intelligence, saying no to vaccines, being in our physical body, breathing, like you mentioned, and also our emotional mm -hmm. intelligence, you know, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our beliefs, Leslie, what we actually believe, those are what I believe the two components of wellness are. And then the third, obviously, is spiritual and higher power. In the middle, in the middle, there's wellness. We live our life well if we integrate all these things, if we embody them. But all your research, everything you've been through and, and what you stand for now, how would you define wellness? I mean, what does wellness mean to you? What is, what is your definition of wellness? Well, that's quite a question. Let me think about it for a second. I think that, you know, so many people think that wellness is the absolute absence of health. I mean, the absence of disease and it's not right to me. Wellness is, I think an abundance of 
physical, mental, emotional, spiritual well-being. The It doesn't mean the absence of sadness or grief or anger or any of the quote-unquote negative emotions. It means the ability to weather all those challenges that are a normal part of life so that we are fully integrated physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually and able to right ourselves when we do get knocked off. Because let's be honest, we're all having this human experience. We can't avoid that. And we all get knocked off of our center sometimes. I mean, I have, I have been, I have, you know, expected something like this to be happening for a long time because they've been telegraphing it for a long time. And it's been frightening for me. And I have had to work through fear and I've had to work through grief. I have a 17 year old son. I don't want him to grow up in a world where he can't go anywhere without having a chip in him, where he can't you know, without complying, where we're not truly free, where we're told we can't go into public or, you know, we can't literally see our families, our loved ones, our friends. We're not supposed to hug them. They want to be able to keep us six feet away. One reason is so that the satellites can actually see that we're six feet away. That's part of it. And the thing is love and gratitude and joy and yes, anger and sadness. These are all part of us. And so to me, wellness is having the ability to have all those different levels fully integrated so that when I get pushed, I bend, I don't break. I come back to my center. I collect myself. I let it go through me. And then I stand back up and I carry on on my path, whatever that might be. Mm. Just everybody just pause and take a breath and just feel the real power of what Leslie just spoke into our world. Leslie, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for what you're doing. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast quite like this. I've been honestly nervous, you know, because I knew that we were going to get the duality that we're experiencing here on the Facebook Live and also when this goes to iTunes. So please share this podcast. Go to Leslie's website. Watch The Greater Good Movie. These are things that will really help you from a place of love and truth. This has nothing to do with fear. This podcast, this conversation with Leslie has been about transcending fear. So Leslie, deep bow to you and your work. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Josh, for having me and for having the courage to go there. Um, I wasn't really sure how much you had done touched on things like this. And it's a, you know, listen, this stuff is being flashed at us. If we look at, if we just bother to look, take a step back and look, it's everywhere. Henry Kissinger put out a blog post a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago. Um, It was run an an editorial in the um, Wall Street Journal and it's on his, his own blog. And it talks about how we need a new world order. That's what he says. This is not a theory. This is what they want. And you know what we were talking about, all the people losing their jobs. They've been trialing universal basic income for the last couple of years in California. And they give them about a thousand to $1,500 a month. Interesting that that's what checks were for, right? Everyone who's been with us knows that their truth is the truth that they find. So please do your research. Make sure that you watch this podcast, share this podcast. Again, Leslie, thank you for your truth. It's the Greater Good movie and your website will list in the show notes. So until we see all of you very soon, Leslie and I both are wishing you love and wellness. We'll talk to you soon. Josh, sending you a big hug and lots of love. And thanks so much for sharing this word. Thanks, Leslie. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.